0: Have you ever wondered how to integrate the scholarly writings of the great St. Thomas Aquinas into your homeschool curriculum? Today, I'm excited to share a resource so accessible that you'll rush to add it to your daily life. A great friend of this podcast, in fact, the announcer for our program, Dave Palmer, is here with his delightful book, St. Thomas Aquinas for Everyone. Stay with us.
1: Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Miladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections.
0: Hi, I'm Lisa Miladnik. Welcome to the program. Today we're talking with Dave Palmer about fun, simple ways to incorporate St. Thomas Aquinas into your homeschool curriculum. Dave Palmer teaches an introduction to the Summa Theologica for Homeschool Connections. He also serves as executive director of the Guadalupe Radio Network's Catholic radio station in North Texas, and that's KATH 910 AM, and is one of the hosts of the radio program GRN Alive, which airs across the Guadalupe Radio Network. He also hosts the local The Good News Show and the KATH 910 AM interview of the week, both of which air on KATH 910 AM in North Texas. He is the author of St. Thomas Aquinas for everyone, 30 quick and fun lessons, activities, and outdoor adventures based on the Summa Theologica. Dave and his wife, Paula, are proud parents of three children. The family worships at St. Mary the Virgin Parish in Arlington, Texas. Dave, thanks so much for being with us today. It's really fun having you here after listening to your voice in every episode so far.
2: (laughs) It's great to have you. Well, it's an
1: honor to be the the voice of the show and also to be a guest. So thank you, Lisa, very much.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm excited about this book because I love anything that that takes something that we might be intimidated by that's rich and beautiful and empowering and just opens the door to everybody. So, what inspired you to do that? To take this incredibly complex and high minded, you know, very scholarly work and start to unpack it for us.
1: Yeah. Well, the best way I could describe it, Lisa, would be if you've ever gone and seen a movie that you just absolutely loved or you read a book or you you know met somebody and you just want everybody else to experience it so, you know you probably everybody's had that experience you know, they see a movie and it's so amazing you want everybody to watch it so you want to go out and tell everybody about the movie that interestingly enough was my experience with the summa theologia and i went to a catholic bookstore here in dallas about 10 years ago and for reasons I won't get into I felt very very inspired to to just buy it and read it It's big, you know, it's five volumes and I told the bookstore owner at that day I said I'm gonna read the whole thing. I just know I am and and she interestingly said she was waiting for the movie to come out <laughs> uh, And so it, it it fundamentally changed my life it, it really did and and I know people say that about you know silly things, but it really did it changed the way I see the world and when I finished, well, even in the course of reading it, I had very young children, and I, and I thought, this is not as complicated as people make it out to be, and there's no reason why somebody has to wait until they're in college to be taught basic principles of Thomistic philosophy. I want to start teaching kids. It's simple enough, and I want everybody to know it, and I don't want you to, everybody to wait until they're an adult to start learning uh, basic principles of Christian philosophy.
0: Oh, that's just so fantastic. And just just for my sake, is it Summa Theologia? Is that how you say
1: it? You know, it's funny you say that. I I say Summa Theologia. I, I hear some people more intelligent than me that say like Summa Theologia. I don't know that there's a right or a wrong. Of course, I don't know what Thomas would have said, but <laughs> I, I say sima Summa Theologia. If you want to pronounce the C, I won't hold it against you, I promise. <laughs>
0: oh, thank you, because I, <laughs> I just can't stand not to uh, pronounce something correctly. <laughs> I'm such a nerd about that. But So who's this book for? Talk to, about your target readers in this.
1: Well, the like I kind of mentioned a moment ago, I, I really do believe that two-year-olds can learn basic principle to, uh, principles of Thomistic philosophy, uh, but it's not written for two-year-olds. It's written for their parents and their grandparents. It's for if you want to learn the Summa and Thomistic philosophy in a very simple, down-to-earth way, and then pass it along to your children, to your grandchildren. Lisa, the way I say this is that if, let's say, you, had, you and your husband had a strong desire to teach your children a language, Spanish, you know, French, would you wait till they're 18 and the freshmen in college to start teaching them? Or would you start when they're six months old, when they're a year old, everybody knows that children's memories are, are much better than we are. Mm-hmm. And there's that, that's, I guess if there's anything revolutionary about my approach to Thomism, it's that I, I believe it should be taught really young and it doesn't mean that they have to pick up the sum and start reading it, but teach the adults and let it trickle down to the kids.
0: That makes so much sense. It's so natural, and it's such a part of our homeschooling life. Why do you think even as adults, we're so intimidated by the theology? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, because Thomas, in order to study the human person and just to study and teach the human nature, has to get into things like matter and form, and essence, and suppositum, and being, Mm. and things like you hear the word metaphysics. And those words in and of themselves are are abstract. And, you know, we we tend to push away and say, you know, I don't know, essence, existence, being, you know, composite, those words. But once you kind of understand a little bit about what they mean, it starts to make sense. I would say that you know, people ask me, what what's the Summa about? And I, I quote John 17, 3, and it says, this is eternal life to know thee, the one true God. The Summa is about coming to know God. Every human person, even the atheist, wants to know God. They just don't know they want to know God. We all want to be happy. Our happiness is God. That's just a truth. Aristotle said the same thing. And so we all have a deep desire to come to happiness in our beatitude is God, and And so it it 's quite simple, in fact, in the Summa, Thomas lays out the attributes of God. The very first attribute of God is his simplicity. We make God very complicated because we think he 's got to run a whole world and he 's got to hear you know ten billion prayers at the same time and manage but actually, his first attribute is simplicity. God is simple we 're actually more complicated, and so we we want to be simpler the best way we can simplify our lives is to be in touch with God, because he is simplicity.
0: And so in in drawing out and illuminating the simple aspects of the theologia, what kinds of aspects of of the work did you highlight in this book?
1: Well, there's a lot of them. I mean, you know, the thing that people probably know best, if they have ever heard of the Summa, they likely know about the five proofs for the existence of God, okay? And, the, you know, the, the, the first mover, the first cause, possibility and necessity, perfection, and then governance of the world. The one that struck me originally that I thought was so simple is the fifth proof for the existence of God, it has to do with the governance of the world. And basically, it just means that God is in control, okay? That's what providence is. God is moving all things to their end. And the way we can see this is something that a two-year-old can understand, a three-year-old can understand. Show them the ducks flying south in the winter, okay? The ducks don't wake up in the morning and say, okay, everybody, let's get together. It's getting a little cold up here in Minnesota. Let's fly down to Mexico. They just do it, okay? The earthworm goes in the soil and helps... You know, make our, our soil richer, not because they are thinking it through, but they just do it. A beaver builds a dam, uh, 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 you, you know, bees, you know, wasps build, you know, the, the, the combs. And there's so many things happening all around us. I use the example of photosynthesis. That is an amazing, amazing thing that we don't see, but if you understand the photosynthesis process, The plant benefits. We benefit. We get oxygen. They get carbon dioxide. They use sugar. They use light. They use water. Everybody benefits, but the plant has no idea what's going on. It just happens. Why? How does that happen? Because God is, through his providence, running the world. And most of the things we're not even paying attention to because they're all just happening. The composting process is something that a parent can do at home with their kids you take eggshells and coffee grounds and you know newspapers and you know banana peels two months later you've got nutrient rich soil that didn't just happen everything was orchestrated and you had heat and you had water and you had microorganisms and you had all this stuff that worked together none of which knew what they were doing but god through his providence brought about good and again this is a long way of saying that the fifth proof of the existence of god is something that can be taught to a three-year-old. And there are examples in everyday life where they don't have to get on a computer screen, they don't have to get on a, uh, anything electronic, but it's right out there in front of us that we can witness every single day. And it's a teaching tool that I think most people are passing on that can really bring children closer to a knowledge of God.
0: One of your sections is called Awe and Wonder. And just as you're describing the The ordinary things that go on all around us that are so extraordinary, if we stopped to think about them, I remember uh, when my daughter was about a year old, my my mother-in-law who lives with us now, she's 97 now and my daughter's 20, but she used to just take my daughter by the hand to go outside and look for bugs in the grass. That incredible wonder at the simplest of things that we can re-experience through the eyes of our children. Um, Can you give us some examples of maybe some of your favorite lessons or activities? Maybe some of your outdoor adventures from the book.
1: Yeah. Well, one of them that I think will get a lot of people to you know catch attention. It's a little bit provocative. Is that you know you think of a a mosquito? Most people hate mosquitoes, and when they land on us, our first instinct is to, to swat them and kill them. And I've certainly done that. And you know they, they do carry diseases, and I understand, but I, I, I go into one section and I, and I, I analyze a mosquito, and they are so intricately and beautifully designed. If you look at a diagram of a mosquito and they can sense carbon dioxide from many, many feet away they they have they have such an intricate um, like anatomy to them. Just, I, I just challenge you to go on and study in a mosquito. And that's just something that we consider a pest, <laughs> yes. much less you know, the creatures that we find more appealing. Every single creature, this is one of the things that comes out in the Summa, is that th- there's a direct correlation between being and goodness. Anything that has being is good. God doesn't create anything bad. And so if we can come to love and appreciate the mosquito, then and everything that God has created, because everything does have a purpose, it's and it 's amazing and and I tell my high school students you know if you understand the summa and you understand what thomas is getting at you 're going to thank God a thousand times a day for every single experience that you have because you 're going to begin to see God even in the mosquito, even in the slug and the earthworm, and much less i mean the human person i don 't care if it 's a homeless person or the the pope or the president there 's great glory and majesty in all of creation and it really does like i said at the beginning change the lens through which we see the world and uh, i got a couple of examples from the book i can i can give you but i don't want to have a turn this into a monologue
0: (laughs) oh no i would actually love for you to do that because one of the nice things about the way the book is put together that is that you have indoor and outdoor activities or at least uh, activities that could be done indoors so no matter what the weather is doing outside there's something on every page really for any family so yeah, there
1: is. Here's, a, here's an outdoor activity that I recommend that I think every parent could do, and it's very, very simple, and it could be done with a three-year-old. And I keep talking about two- and three-year-olds. This this would be equally good for 10-year-olds or 12-year-olds or college students. But there, there's, a, there's, a, there's an article in the SUMA that says, basically, why are there so many different kinds of creatures? I don't know if you know this, Lisa. There are approximately 9 million species of 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 creatures in the world 9 million wow. uh, take take butterflies did you know there are 20000 different kinds of butterflies in the world so wow. I, do have, I do have excerpts from the actual Summa, because it's kind of like, I've, I've read all of Shakespeare's plays, and when I read Shakespeare, it moves me, because he's such a beautiful writer. Thomas doesn't write poetry, but I have the same effect. So let me just read, this is just about two sentences, sure. and about uh-huh. why are there so many creatures in the world. And Thomas says, uh, God's goodness could not be adequately represented by one creature alone. He produced, therefore, many and diverse creatures that what was wanting in one in the rep- representation of the divine goodness might be supplied by another. For goodness, which in God is simple and uniform in creatures, is manifold and divided. And hence, the whole universe together participates the divine goodness more perfectly and represents it better than any single creature whatever. So, okay, so I know that's that's Thomistic language, but basically Mm. here's what you do. You go out with your, you know, you got a child and you go out to the store and you get one of those 64 packs of crayons, okay? And it's got all the different colors. And you tell your child, say, go outside into nature and see if you can correspond in nature, something of each color of these crayons. Okay, so the green could be the grass. If it's fall, you can probably get about five crayons just from the leaves falling from the tree. Maybe you can even go to the pet store and get some yellow and red and different colors with the fish. And, and, but things in nature, the sky at night, you could probably get six colors just from the sunset, right? So now they're beginning to see that God uses a palette of, of colors And then you explain to the child that there's 9 million species of animals, 20,000 butterflies, and you say, why did God need so many creatures? And then you explain what Thomas just said is that every single creature participates in the divine goodness, and it tells us something about God. So God is using each one of these creatures to tell us something about himself. And then the, the clincher is you say to your child, okay, If you were to paint a beautiful picture, would you prefer to have one crayon or would you rather have 64? Most kids would say, Well, I'd like to have more colors because I could paint a more beautiful picture with multiple colors. Aha, that's what God does. But God has nine million crayons. And so what does this do? When the kid sees the next earthworm or grub or butterfly or sunset or owl or lizard, they'll say, Okay, this is one of God's crayons. God's there's something about this that's telling me something about God. And needless to say, that changes the way they see the world.
0: Just beautiful. I would think also deductively on some level as they mature they'll see themselves in that picture as well, that I am an expression of God's goodness, that I am an aspect of this creation that is a way of God speaking his own presence into the world. Does, does that correlate or am I jumping <laughs> oh, no, into no, another realm? <laughs> in fact,
1: my, my, my kids roll their eyes because uh, Thomas is very ordered and you, know, you have the angels who are pure intellect. They're a lot smarter than us and they're actually closer in their essence to the divine because God is spirit. And then you have us, and then you have the, the, the non-intellectual creatures, the dogs, the cats, the beavers, the, the possums. And then you have inanimate objects like rocks and, you know, that kind of thing. And so my, 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 do- my daughter loves our dog. And, and I try to teach her in a very optimistic way. I, I like our dog. Our dog is wonderful. And I, and I think God, thank God for creating our West Highland Terrier. But to your point, Lisa, the human being is made to the image and likeness of God. We are much, much closer, and that's why I tell our kids don't don't treat your, the dog any better than you treat your brother. Your brother is more important in the big scheme of things than the dog, even though the dog can sometimes be more pleasant than your <laughs> brother. Uh, but no, you're absolutely right, and that that's very it's a very important concept because nowadays people are, are treating oftentimes their pets like their kids, and again, we should be very, very good to our pets, and the pets serve serve a role, but nothing in the, in you know, in, in the animal world, like a dog or a cat, I mean, a fish or a cat is ever going to compare to a human being, even the lowliest human being, you know, that we could think of is more dignified than the highest, you know, non, non-rational animal.
0: I feel like, Drawing their attention to this beauty at an early age or at any age also arms them against a culture that perverts beauty, that tries to drag uh, all the meaning out of our religious faith and make it just a set of rules without the love story and the beauty that's there. And so if they grow up with that foundation of the delight of God, in them, in his creation, the order of it, the sensible, you know, in terms of our experiencing it with our senses, but also it making sense, it being so ordered and, and beautifully designed, it's much harder to take that child in, in college and destroy their faith.
1: I mean, even at a much age, you know, higher age when they get to be teenagers and you want to teach them sexual ethics, and you take what I just said about the dignity of the human person made to the image and likeness of God, you know, with intellect and will. You imagine, uh, you know, every, every sexual act um, has the potential to create one of these amazing, amazing creatures, uh, you know, unrepeatable. And so you can't learn Thomistic philosophy without also being pro-life, without being more aware of the absolute dignity of, you know, the, the, let's say the sexual act or sexual, uh, the, the sexual moral teachings of the Catholic Church. Of course, you're not teaching that to a three-year-old or an eight-year-old, but it as the child gets older, there are different ways that all this could be taught.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the foundation for understanding it all, our innate... Yeah beauty and the way it reflects god and and once we catch on to that once that light bulb really goes off at at different stages of development in different ways the dots connect themselves in some way i know that when the faith is taught in rcia programs and starts with a foundation of just just the very basic elements of learning to step into the beauty and the order and the purpose of it all people are able to deal with the difficult questions later on they're able to to be countercultural later, because it resonates in our souls. We're made mm-hmm. for it.
1: Yeah, and you know, my, I have a, a six-year-old son who's a special needs autism, and uh, he he wakes me up every morning at about six o'clock and runs, you know, uh, runs into the room. And the first thing he says every morning is, "Daddy, the the, the sun's coming up. Praise God." And uh. he's been conditioned to say that, and he he does, and he he says, "Daddy, it's sunny out there. Praise God." And I think, you know, whether you're six or or 96, we need to do that because, you know, the news brings us down and there's so much to worry about and all that's going on these days, especially in light of all of the crisis of this age. Uh, But the the beauty doesn't change. I I walked out the other day and, of course, we're all bound up with all this coronavirus um, hysteria. And I saw a butterfly and I thought, you know what? that didn't change. The the, the world is still beautiful. The sun is still rising every day. The trees are still growing. The photosynthesis process is still going on. And it's a different perspective. And not to say we close our eyes to the concerns of the world, but, you know, God is good. And the world is really, really beautiful, even in a time of crisis.
0: Amen to that. Amen. I think that's critical for us to remember what's still good, what's still beautiful. And focus on that, as Saint Paul says, to to really keep our minds on what's good and beautiful and true. Dave, this is such a rich topic, and we could probably do a series on these. Are you doing a series by any chance? Are there other books in the work?
1: The the, the book, you know, it's it's funny. I wrote the first one, and it just covered the first half of the first part of the Summa, and if I were to complete the book series, it would take eight books. And uh. I tell you, I, I must say, I'm, I'm looking for the motivation to get started again. As many people, you perhaps, you know, you know, Lisa, writing a book is a real labor of love. And so maybe I'll get that second one going. I do have a, a, a you know, of course I teach the, the class at Homeschool Connections and that has been such an amazing blessing. And to see the lights go on, you know, with 14, 15 year olds who really, really get this. And they're so intelligent. And I'm so impressed with these, these young people, but I, I have also a YouTube channel where I teach adults and I go through the whole Suma. And so if anybody really wants to learn this 10 minutes a day through. YouTube videos where they see me and they see a PowerPoint presentation, just search Dave Palmer or St. Thomas Aquinas for everyone. You'll find it.
0: Your YouTube channel is called Dave Palmer, and that's just what it sounds like. It's Dave, D-A-V-E-P-A-L-M-E-R. This will all be in the show notes, as well as the link to your Facebook page, which is St. Thomas Aquinas for Everyone. And we'll have a link to purchasing Dave's incredible book, St. Thomas Aquinas for Everyone. And the subtitle of that is 30 Quick and Fun Lessons. And they are, they're gorgeous. Activities and Outdoor Adventures Based on the Summa Theologia. I'm gonna say it that way from (laughs) now on because I trust you. But also just keep in mind that this is not something that's intimidating when it's broken down like this into these really simple lessons. And they're on a, different, a lot of different levels. And there's reflections and things in there too. Dave, can you just describe the different aspects of it before we wrap up and then any final comments you'd like?
1: Different aspects of the book? Yeah. I mean? how, tell um,
0: us how each chapter or each section is put together.
1: Yeah. There, there's a little introduction section that talks about, you know, it, it poses a question, like I said, with that one example, why are there so many different creatures in the world. Then there's a little introduction section. And then there is a quote from the Summa. I keep it brief because sometimes people get so intimidated by, you know, anything from the Summa, but a brief, because I, I think it's important. Like, like if we are talking about Shakespeare, we would certainly say, go and read some Shakespeare, right? Because it's, it's beautiful. And so I want people to get, at least get a sample uh, of the writing. And then there is an activity that can be done indoors. And then there is an outdoor activity that's done outdoors, and then there's, like you mentioned, the awe and wonder section, whether it's looking out into the stars at night or just something that, like with the mosquito, that maybe you had never thought about before, the, the intricacy and the beauty of the mosquito, and then every uh, chapter ends with a brief little prayer to, to close things out. So you get indoor, outdoor, there's nothing electronic on it. Um, of course, I think there's a Purpose for electronics, of course. Without electronics, we wouldn't have classes on homeschool connections. And so, not to denigrate that, but I really am stressing in the book: get out into the natural world and experience the world firsthand. That's how I grew up down at the creek, catching you know fish and crickets and snakes and lizards and lifting up rocks and seeing scorpions and worms. And that that's that's maybe how I first learned to love this stuff. Is that I I spent my my childhood in nature.
0: Yeah, and, and the thing is, whether you're in a city or in the country or somewhere in between, the price of this book and then being able to use ordinary things and our, our ordinary experience of creation to, to just provide endless riches for our children's minds and spirits, and even their bodies as they go out to explore, and, and their relationships as they start to understand our, our inherent dignity and where we fit into God's plan. I just can't imagine a better resource for a homeschooler with maybe children of a lot of different ages, or, a, or a, an only child where they really need to have a framework, or a parent who's just learning the faith themselves, maybe new to the church, or, or as many of us were, you know, kind of not that well-educated in the faith and had to learn it later, this can step anyone at any stage into the process and and really open up this world of wonder for us. So grateful for this resource, Dave.
1: And uh, Lisa, if I may uh, just put a little promo in for the, the fall class that will be beginning in uh, um, the, well, the fall <laughs> uh, with Homeschool Connections. Uh, this oh, is for do. mature middle school kids or high school kids. But we just wrapped up the spring semester. And these kids, have go- my current class, had gone through the entire SUMA in 24 classes. I got an email from one of the students about a week ago. And, this, and with his permission, I asked him if I could use this. I won't use his name, but he said, This class has changed my life forever. I will never look at God's creation the same way. You elevated my mind to see things on a new and more appreciative level. At least once a day, I say praise God for something he created. As a result of praising God more, my life has taken on a greater peace and lightness. Thank you. And I wrote him back, and I said, This is what it's all about, because if something that we can learn, that whether this podcast or reading the Summa or taking a class can bring us closer to God, that's what it's all about. So when I got that email, you know how it is as a teacher, as an educator, we get consolations, and you say, okay, this is why we do what we do. If we can lead a teenager to a greater contemplation of Christ, you know, it doesn't get any better than that, does it?
0: it, It absolutely doesn't. Uh, Dave, thank you so much. That was just stunning. And please do check out if you're, especially when we're in quarantine, now that Dave has taught the class live, you also have the option this summer of doing an archived recorded course with your children. If you want to try to, you know, take that on this summer, that would be great. But then the live course where your children will actually get to interact with Dave for that 24 week course would just be such a blessing. Anyway, Dave Palmer can be found on YouTube and Facebook, and we have the ordering link on the show notes. Dave, thanks again so much. It's just been a delight.
1: Thanks, Lisa. I've enjoyed it. Thank you very much.
0: Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks for being with us, everybody. Hold on just another couple of minutes for our short feature coming right up.
2: Hi everyone, this is Chantal with From Ideal to Real. I love taking the lofty and trying to make it more practical and accessible, especially in the space of holiness, homeschooling, health, and freedom. Today, we're going to just dive into the reality we're all facing. This massive crisis of global proportions has hit us all differently. In a certain sense, we've all been navigating the same storm, but in different boats, I don't presume to know how your family has endured this time. I will share, however, that for many moms that I've spoken to and myself included, I'm actually a little bit more nervous about re-entry out of quarantine back into the main normal way of living than of being tucked at home. It's been quite blissful in many respects. Our meals have been better. Our rosaries have been more faithful. Our kids have been working through their struggles and spending more quality time together. I've gotten way more done. The garage has benefited and so has business. And yet nothing could make me more happy than the thought of bringing the Eucharist back. So as we begin to think about reentry, I want to leave you with a couple of thoughts. Number one, let not your hearts be troubled. In normal times and in crisis times, Relax into the merciful arms of Jesus daily and surrender your expectations and anxieties surrounding homeschool outcomes, and just ask the Lord in His wisdom to direct you and prompt you to prudent choices for your family, for curricula, activities, and commitments. When in doubt, do less, not more. Number two, fight for what is worth fighting for it's time for us to legitimately defend our freedoms. This is a practical battle cry. As the world takes on new paradigms of control and many people don't know their constitutional rights, we have to be prepared to defend our right to homeschool and to worship and to practice our faith fully, and really to direct the care of our families as well. Without waltzing into the realms of the extreme, we know from history that heroic action is often required to defend the truth, So now is a perfect time to be shoring up our defenses. Our finances, our food supply, our ability to heal naturally in our homes, and our education resources should be fortified. But surely educating our children with constitutional awareness is one of the greatest practical gifts we can offer them, even as we teach them to be prayerful, holy, and wise. And that leads to number three. While we seek not to live from a place of fear or overprotection or control, we do want to safeguard the culture of our homeschools. One of the surest ways to fortify our homeschool culture is to welcome others into our homes, even in these distressing times. I invite you to discover again the blessings of hospitality. We've all lived in a lot of fear and distance, but we need to remember that we are called to reach out, to serve, and to welcome others into our homes and into our lives again. In closing, I invite you to ground your homeschool identity and your family culture in positive, simple daily habits, gestures, and efforts that will nurture holiness, health, and freedom in your homes. It is the concrete meals we eat, the adventures we prioritize, the service efforts we do, the enterprises we invest in together that will ensure long-lasting unity and memories. Remember, the goal isn't perfection, it's perseverance. I'm Chantal Howard. You can find me at Chantal-Howard.com and Aromarosary.com. I look forward to starting a conversation with you there or on Facebook or Instagram.
0: That's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by HomeschoolConnections.com, where you can get online courses for your grade school, middle school, and high school student learn from the experts, and make your homeschooling easier. Be sure to leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. And we'll see you next time here on the Homeschooling Saints podcast.